Hello and welcome to Beyond the Borderline. This is a podcast dedicated to exploring in a realistic and hopeful way what it's like to live with borderline personality disorder and other mental health problems. My name is Aline and I am your host for this podcast. I want to issue a proviso at the beginning of the podcast, which is that this is absolutely not a substitute for professional mental health and or medical intervention. So please seek out those sources of support if you need them. And I also want to mention that I will be discussing topics such as self-harm and suicidal ideation and addiction that may be triggering for a number of people. I aim not to discuss those topics in a detailed way as I don't really think Think that adds anything to the discussion and does not really fit in with the mission of this podcast. However, in a spirit of being authentic about my life with borderline personality disorder, those topics will be mentioned in this and subsequent episodes. And I will do my best to issue trigger warnings before I start discussions about those or other potentially triggering topics. The music you heard at the beginning of the show was a song called Identity by X-Ray Specs, British punk band from the 70s. And I chose it because I love X-Ray Specs and because identity seems like a really apt topic for those of us with borderline personality and other personality disorders. So that's the music in case you were wondering. So today's episode is going to cover a skill that I learnt and that I practice regularly and it's derived from dialectical behavioural therapy which is a therapy that's often used with people who have BPD and who have intense emotion regulation problems and who may experience suicidal ideation and self-harm. And I believe it's also now used in the treatment of addiction and for other issues such as eating disorders. I want to remind you that my access to DBT is through an online peer group. I do see a professional therapist, however, she is not a DBT therapist. And I do not have affordable access to DBT therapy either privately or through the NHS. So I found out about DBT because it was mentioned to me by a peer who also is recovering from BPD and addictions. And she suggested I look into it and I started doing some research online And I found some online support groups, peer groups, and I have been learning about and doing my best to practice these skills through those peer groups for a good couple of years. So the skill I'm going to share with you today is called, it's got a nifty name, it's called ABC Please, as in please and thank you. The purpose of this skill, and if you can hear pages turning in the background, it's because I'm looking through a workbook, is to help you to regulate your emotion. So I'm going to go through each point A, B, C, please, what each of those stand for, and then share with you how they are supposed to help you to regulate 
those extreme emotions and highs and lows that those of us with BPD can live with on a day-to-day basis. So the first section is A of the ABC, and that stands for Accumulate Positive Emotions, Long-Term Building a Life Worth Living. This little section of this skill is really about finding a consistency in doing things that help you to feel good about yourself. I know it's really easy to say that. The key though, in my opinion, is to start consciously thinking about things you can do in the short term and in the long term to build positive emotions. So I'll give you an example in my life of what those look like. So one example of a short-term activity that builds positive emotions is to go to a really nice cafe and have a good quality coffee. If I'm feeling depressed or or any a range of emotions, I find it really hard to consciously do things for myself that are nice. So I might be thinking about, oh, wouldn't it be nice to go for that coffee? And then I just don't go. So it's about finding a little thing that's not little. When I say little, I don't mean insignificant. So that's probably not the right word, but finding something, maybe there's a museum that you would like to go to and you just haven't been for whatever reason and it's accessible to you and so you make a point to go there. Doing something that like this that builds positive emotions, if I'm not used to doing it, if I'm sort of working against what my mind is telling me to go and do this thing that's short term, will help me build positive emotions. I it can be quite uncomfortable because if what's familiar to me is let's say just as an example if I'm in a depressive state if doing what's familiar to me is lying in bed and not washing then getting up and going to the cafe to have a coffee or another example getting up and encouraging myself to have a shower and use some really nice body wash those things don't, I mean, those are will leave me feeling better. At the same time, they, it is uncomfortable to do them against what my mind is telling me. I hope that makes sense. It is something that comes, in, in my opinion, doing this is something that comes with mixed emotions. At the end of the day, though, especially cumulatively, these things do help me to build emotions of joy and happiness even if it's just for a couple of seconds those actions and those emotions do make a difference now the second part of this a accumulate positive emotions is working on long-term goals okay so it's finding a long-term goal which could be anything from i need want to lose some weight or i want to join the gym or i want to do a course and for those of us with bpd and this is something that i'll cover hopefully in an, in another episode. I'm not going to go into it in great detail here. Knowing and determining long-term goals can be really difficult because one of the symptoms of BPD, of course, is having an unstable sense of identity. So to get to the point where it's possible to go, oh yeah, this is definitely something I want to do. It's not me doing something in reaction to something or someone. This is 
about me and what I want to do. That that in itself can take some time. So I'm working on the assumption that you're able to figure out what a realistic long-term goal could be. And realistic is another key word here because it's it's got to be something that you can do and you're not setting yourself up for failure. From my life, from my experience, one one of my goals that I'm working towards is selling my jewellery. And I have had moments where I've gotten really bound up in the end result and I've started to get sort of obsessive about looking at marketing courses and doing things kind of a little bit over the top in a way that was starting to become a bit unmanageable. And, you know, that's okay. I was able to pull myself back after a while. I realised what was going on. What I've decided is the goal is to sell my jewellery and to keep learning and refining my jewellery making skills. And for that, I do courses. I try and do maybe an hour or so on pieces that I'm making at home a day more obviously if I can and I try and just balance keep a balance because my mind can tend to go into extremes of all or nothing and I think I should be working six hours a day on the jewellery and that's just not really possible with the way that I'm living my life at the moment. These are some of the issues that can complicate simply setting a long-term goal and working towards it. Having that goal has really, when things have felt really dark or really difficult or really frustrating, I sort of have that there. I want to find ways to sell my jewellery and to keep making my jewellery. So that's the A part of ABC. Now the second one is connected really to this first one and the B stands for Build Mastery. There are two aspects to it, which I'm going to read out from a workbook. So under Build Mastery, it says scheduled activities to build a sense of accomplishment. And then the second part is actually did something difficult, but possible. The thing with Build Mastery is it can be anything. It could be that you go to a social situation, which is a little bit challenging for you, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. I would find it very difficult to go to a big party. Actually, no, I take that back. I wouldn't find that difficult. I would find it difficult to go to a dinner party with 10 to 15 people and sit at a table for three hours and and have a conversation. I would find that really difficult. That's my reality at the moment. However, I would find it possible to meet up for a coffee with one or two people and I would find it possible to speak on the phone to someone, a friend, to reach out to someone and say, hi, how are you? And have a conversation. Those are ways of connecting with people that let me practice and they're within the realm of possibility the more I do them, the more at ease I get with them. You find something, it could be anything, it could be building mastery in terms of a skill that you're doing, or it could be building mastery in terms of an interpersonal situation. I think for me, the operative idea about this is that I do something that's somewhat outside my comfort zone. So I'm stretching myself, but I'm not setting myself up for failure. The third part of this ABC section of the ABC Please skill is one that I really love and it's called Cope Ahead. So the great thing about this Cope Ahead 
tool is that you prepare yourself, you acknowledge that, look, this is kind of a difficult thing for me to do at the moment for whatever reason. I don't want to do it. I'm avoiding it or I just don't feel like doing it. You find a way to cope ahead. So as an example, I like examples because I just find that they take these these tools out of the abstract and into the practical. If I have to go and see a medical professional and it's possible I'm going to get very overwhelmed and I'm going to feel invalidated by them, as has happened so many times before, I might cope ahead by writing out just a list of bullet points to take in with me. So I'm saying to myself, look, it's possible I'm going to get overwhelmed. I'm not going to be able to articulate all the points I want to. I'm going to get flustered. So I'm going to make a note of these essential points that I need to bring into this meeting with the medical professional. And that way I'm prepared and I can go in. And then even if I do get overwhelmed, I can at least have this reference point. Another way of coping ahead for me is treating myself after I've done something. For example, I don't really like vacuuming my floors. It's just something I just don't like doing it. But my flat looks better when I've done it. What I usually do is I'll say, okay, I'm going to vacuum my floors today. And then after that, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to work on some jewellery or I'm going to watch something on Netflix. I find something that I can do after I've done this thing that I don't really want to do, but that is going to, in the greater scheme of things, is going to help me. I find some some way of rewarding myself that's enjoyable and not self-destructive. I'm a I'm big on coffee. I love coffee. So having a really nice cup of coffee or calling someone and having a chat, something like that. So those are two ways of using the cope ahead skill. We're now going to move on to the please part of ABC Please. The, the purpose of this skill, which again is from dialectical behavioural therapy, is to help you to regulate your emotions consistently. Let's say three times in a week you're able to cope ahead with a situation that, or, or an activity that you don't really want to do. Uh, three or four times a week you do something to accumulate positive emotions and you figure out a goal that could be a long-term goal and you start thinking about, well, what, what can I do towards that? You start building mastery. You start doing things a little bit outside of your comfort zone. It doesn't have to be anything super major. If you start doing those things consistently, you will probably find when you have to go into a situation that is stressful to you because you have this cope-ahead thing, this cope-ahead skill, sorry, it's going to help you to regulate your emotions. And each time you build mastery, each time you you do something that's a little outside of your comfort zone, you may not feel it immediately, but it will impact your self-esteem positively. Because I can tell you from my personal experiences that what I used to do is I would avoid things constantly. I'd, I'd find reasons. No, I can't do that. I can't be in this situation. I can't do that. And it really... I mean, apart from the fact that after a while, people just don't bother because if you keep saying no, they just, and turning them down, understandably, they're not, they're just going to kind of stop inviting you to things. You know, if I keep avoiding paying my bills or doing things that, you know, whatever it is that I need to do, pleasant things and things that I feel or think are unpleasant, 
that has a very negative effect on one's self-esteem. I know it does for me. So the building mastery part helps with that and the accumulate positive emotions, I think is pretty self-explanatory. So with that, let's move on to please. The P and the L are, have I treated physical illness? The E is balanced eating. The A is avoided mood altering substances. The S is balanced sleep and the E is exercise. You know, these things are not easy for those of us living with long-term mental illness. Physical illness, this is really relevant to me at the moment because I've got a cold. I had flu symptoms a couple of days ago. When I'm physically unwell, my emotions and and my thoughts tend to get way more dysregulated really quickly. It's really important for me when I'm not physically well to treat that physical illness promptly, okay? Whether that's treating it by going to see a doctor or whether it's treating it by resting and not overexerting myself. Treat your physical illness. If you're physically unwell, treat that. And I know it can be really hard for those of us who've had poor experiences with the medical professionals and mental health professionals. This is a good example of where you could use the cope ahead skill. So if you know you need to treat some physical health condition, what you could do is you could cope ahead by writing out a bullet point list of what you want to go into the doctor and talk about. The next one is balanced eating. Now, I am someone who is recovering from eating disorders and many of my BPD peers have struggled or struggle with disordered eating. So again, this sounds easy, but it isn't easy for those of us who have struggles, psychological struggles around food. I will just speak for myself here because different things work for different people. My first sort of treatment model that I was exposed to for eating disorders was the 12-step model that's used by Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, etc. There are there are quite a few groups for food-related addiction, if you like, as well. What I personally found, and I was involved in these groups for a good couple of years, more, more than that, three or four years, is that because my mental illness had not been diagnosed, all my symptoms came to the surface and apparently seemed to get worse and worse because I wasn't medicating them so much with the eating disorder. My personal experience was that until I got some meaningful treatment for my mental health condition, including medication, it was really difficult to get much relief from the eating disorder However, I was able to stop the most harmful behaviours like the bulimia and the really severe over-exercising and the severe binging. And it did really help to go to groups where other people understood what I was talking about and were empathetic and seemed to be working on themselves in a positive way. If you struggle with disordered eating, and this just seems like a complete mystery to you, this concept of balanced eating... The one thing I would say is I I do recommend that you don't try and sort it out alone because it's it's a difficult one and you deserve to get the support you need around it. It doesn't have to be the 12-step model. However, there are groups out there. If you just Google 12-step eating disorders, you'll find groups online. You could also go to your doctor. You could see a therapist. There are, I believe, DBT treatment programs for disordered eating if you're lucky enough to have one in your area it's a very dense subject and I am not 
qualified nor do I have the resources to really go into it in detail so I'll just leave it there clearly when my when my physical you know just physiologically if I'm um, nourishing myself in a way that's relatively balanced that's that's going to help my mood state okay the next one is avoided mood alter mood altering substances so that's the a and I would say sort of very similar to the previous one around the balanced eating some of us struggle have struggled with substance abuse I'm certainly one of those people I personally do not consume alcohol, nor do I use recreational drugs, nor do I use any non-prescribed drugs. Different people are in different situations. Some people may be able to drink socially, some may not be. The main issue for the, in, in the context of this skill is that if you think that consuming alcohol or consuming recreational drugs or some sub other substance or whatever is affecting your mood then you need to consider whether or not you really need it in your life and if you struggle not to use it then as previously as I mentioned around the the disordered eating you may need to seek some help and there are many different options out there again there are the 12-step models alcoholics anonymous narcotics anonymous you could see a therapist you could see a doctor you could see a combination of those it's very difficult if you are in a situation where your use of substances is affecting your mood it's really going to be difficult to get much traction in treating your mental illness until you've got some you've got some help around that area the next one is balanced sleep which of course is the s and i think we all know that if if your sleep is really off if you're not sleeping or if you're oversleeping if you're experiencing depression i know for me when i've gone through depressive episodes i don't want to get out of bed all day um, when i'm hypermanic it can be difficult to get to bed it's not that easy. I, I do get that it's not easy at all for, for many of us who have mental health issues. For me, I need medication. Medication saved my life and I need medication to help me to sleep. But I take, um, psych, um, what's the word, uh, medication for my mental health condition and that alone is, you know, I could take the medication and sit up all night watching Netflix. I could, I could do that. And that's not really going to help me. So for me, it's a combination. It's having some kind of routine around my sleep. By midnight, I turn off my lights. Okay. I, so for example, I like watching Netflix in the evening. If I'm watching Netflix, it can be so tempting, especially if there's a series that I'm want to binge watch to just sit up till like three in the morning and go, oh, well, I don't really have to get up early tomorrow. So I can just do that. I don't do that because for me, it's really important to get into a routine. I also listen to guided sleep meditations on YouTube and, and there are apps that will have um, guided meditation to help with sleep. So I listen to things like that. I try not to stay in bed for too long in the morning. Now, there are days like the last couple of days where I've been under the weather physically and I've been feeling a little more depressed than usual. So 
Today, I got up much later than I usually would around 11 o'clock in the morning. Having a dog really helps with this because I have to get up and walk him in the morning and he gets very insistent if I'm not out of bed by a certain time. So balanced sleep is really something to look at. And the last one is, of course, exercise. And as someone recovering from eating disorders and someone who's, who has had periods of my life where I was actually using exercise as a form of self-harm, I have had a very complicated relationship to exercise and not a very not a very sort of healthy one. So I may be different to you. I what I do is I do yoga. I find that really really helpful for my mood and it helps me to focus on myself and my breathing and I also am getting stronger. That that works better for me than going to the gym, but you might be different. You might be someone who loves going to the gym and who loves running. I also walk, I find walking really helpful. And again, having a dog helps with that. If you are in a position to, I definitely recommend getting a dog. You know, this is all relative. If you're going through a serious depressive episode, for example, and you are able to get out of bed and do some stretching, that that could be like a super huge thing. If this is not about having some standard that you're supposed to adhere to. It's about doing something slightly out of your comfort zone. For you, it might be going for a walk for 20 minutes. And you might also be adding in the fact that you're around people and you don't really feel comfortable around people. Well, that's a huge success. Or it could be that you go and do a class at the gym and that's something new for you. It's a bit outside of your comfort zone, but you go and do it. It's a bit physically challenging, but you feel better afterwards. I really think that exercise is is something I would recommend in a way that works for you and is realistic for you. I've pretty much just gone through this skill and I hope that you'll get something out of it. And as always, please do tweet me. I don't have a website at the moment. So my handle on Twitter is beyond the borderline, but the actual address is beyond the board three. So that's the word beyond the word the, all, all one word, and then B-O-R-D-E, three, as in the number three, not three spelt out. So that's at beyond the B-O-R-D-E, three. Or you could just search for Beyond the Borderline on Twitter. And I welcome your feedback and your suggestions and your comments. I wish you a peaceful next 24 hours. And at the very least, I wish you a few moments of peace over the coming day.